really frustrating when you realize that you need to get somewhere, you want to get somewhere, but you don't know how. I remember moving into New England from a way that uh, there was the joke that I was introduced to that you can't get there from here because the, the, the roads are so convoluted and the paths are so twisty and turny that uh, when you ask for directions, you can be told, well, you, you just can't get there from here. That's not how it works. And uh, we encounter that, don't we, in a variety of different things and places. One of the ways that I encounter it is in my job, because I'm the only staff person in our church, I have a very self-directed work week. And you might experience that as well if you're an entrepreneur, if you're a uh, solo business owner, or maybe you just have a job where you direct yourself. It's a lot of self-direction. So there are times when I'm at work and I'll finish a task or a job or a conversation, and then I'll be like, okay, I have no idea what I'm supposed to do next. But thankfully, I have what I call my matrix, which is just a weekly checklist of all the things that I need to accomplish and when do I need to accomplish them in order to stay on task. And so having that matrix, that checklist, really helps me. Uh, another place you might experience this is in your finances. Uh, for example, there are certain things that we know that we should do or ought to do and a path that we want to get to. We don't want to be living paycheck to paycheck. We know we should have some savings in the bank. We know we should pay off debt. We sh know we should live with a budget. But in all of the midst of those things, sometimes we don't know, well, what should I do next? If you got a big gift or a bonus at the end of the year and you're deciding, well, what should I do with this? Should I... Should I save it? Should I pay off debt? Should I uh, take care of some of those things that I haven't been able to take care of? What should I do with this extra money that comes in? So there are a variety of different ways where we are wanting to get somewhere, know we need to get somewhere, have some idea of where we would like to be, but aren't exactly sure how to get there, how to find the path. And this also extends to church as well. What should we be doing as a church? We're in this series called How to Church, where we're talking about what it means to be a part of a church and what a church should be doing. And there's a lot of confusion out there. We talked about it last week, that sometimes you can go to a church and there are a lot of competing voices and competing models out there. In some churches, you go to a ch to church, and it seems like you're more at a political rally, and it seems like everybody votes the same way, and they're more concerned about the, what's going on with politics rather than uh, the things that you would normally associate with church. There are some churches that might feel more like a social club, where it just seems like all people that are, are uh, that everybody seems to be from the same uh, group and from the same socioeconomic class, and it seems like it's just a place where you get together with other people like yourself. It's more like a social club, and others you're not exactly sure what the purpose is. It's unclear, and it changes from time to time. So there can be a lot of confusion out there, and it just amplifies the confusion, the confusion that we sometimes experience ourselves. So what are we supposed to do? What does it mean to be a part of a church? Now, 
thankfully, there is some clarity. And in fact, uh, this whole series, is everything that we've been doing since the beginning of this year, has been about providing some clarity. And today, we're going to be talking about clarity when it comes to ministry. What is it that the church ministry is supposed to look like, and what are we supposed to be doing? And our bottom line is that we actually do have a matrix. We have a pattern to follow, and that pattern is found in Jesus. Jesus is our trailblazer. Last year, I learned that that phrase came from those little marks that they put on a trail, those little lights, the little flashes of paint or something like that, that show you this is the path to follow. And Jesus is our trailblazer. He's the one that set the path that we follow as a church. And so the challenge, the way that we practically apply that, is by joining with others who are following Jesus. Welcome to Cornerstone Online. I'm Pastor Brian Foreman. And this, along with our on-site experience, is our opportunity, our weekly experience, where we encourage and equip you to follow Jesus wholeheartedly, knowing that following Jesus makes life better and makes you better at life. And if you are joining us for the first time, or maybe you've been kind of lurking and watching along but haven't let us know who you are yet, we would love to be able to welcome you personally and stay in touch with you. So I hope that you will, if you're new here, start here by texting the word new to our church number, 603-225-2550. Again, today we are talking about uh, what a church ministry looks like and talking about the pattern that Jesus gave to us. Let's look at that pattern. We find it in the opening of Mark, uh, the Gospel of Mark, and as an example of one place. It's a good one. Mark is a, is a very concise gospel, uh, and so we see this whole pattern laid out within this chapter. And so I'm going to read to you from the opening sections of the Gospel of Mark. This is Mark chapter 1, verses 14 to 27, and verses 35 to 39. Today I'm reading from the New International Version. Beginning at verse 14. After John was put in prison... Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority not as the teachers of the law. Just then, a man in their synagogue, who was possessed by an impure spirit, cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. 
The impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were all so amazed that they asked each other, What is this? A new teaching and with authority. He even gives orders to impure spirits and they obey him. News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. And then skipping down to verse 35. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, Let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you that you have not left us without direction, that in Jesus' life and in his teaching and in the pattern that he laid down, we have a pattern for what it means to be a part of your church, your congregation, and to follow Jesus. I pray, Lord, that you would give us that clarity that we are seeking and that we need, and that you would uh, inspire and equip and empower us so that we might follow Jesus wholeheartedly. I pray this in Jesus' name. Well, like I said, we have been trying to lay out some, uh, give some clarity and lay out some steps. And that began at the beginning of the year where we talked very clearly about some of the next steps that we would like to see happen as a church. And I'll just remind you of what those were. And those are a return to Sunday mornings. Uh, we have been meeting online, and that's, ava- that's great, and that's available on Sunday mornings, and uh meeting on Saturday evenings, but we'd really like to be able to return to Sunday mornings, so we're prioritizing that, and we've had the opportunity. So just a reminder to check our church calendar, cornerstonenh.org slash calendar, to see where and when we're meeting each week. And then also to restart children's ministry, recognizing that children's ministry is not just babysitting while the important stuff is going on, but it's a part of the important stuff that most people who follow Jesus begin following Jesus as children, and that's an important part of our ministry to families as a whole. So we want to return to Sunday mornings, and we want to restart children's ministry. And then thirdly, to rally around the mission, uh, to reconnect and to re-engage as a church congregation, and to do so around our mission. And that, the mission is what we talked about and provide some clarity for it last week when we talked about the story that we are living. Our key verse then was John 10.10. 10. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, Jesus said. I came so that they would have life and have it abundantly. That he wants us to have life and have it abundantly. And then to make disciples in the Great Commission, Matthew 28, verse 19. Jesus said, therefore, go and make disciples. And we talked about how the idea of a disciple is really an apprentice. It's someone who is apprenticing in the ways of Jesus. And so our mission to have clarity about that is what you hear me say every week. We inspire and equip people to follow Jesus wholeheartedly. This is the story that we are living And so what does it mean to follow Jesus wholeheartedly? We uh, read in that passage where the invitation that Jesus gave to his first disciples was 
follow me. And then he tells us to make disciples, to, in essence, create more followers of Jesus. Well, what does that look like? How would you know if you are a follower of Jesus? What does a follower of Jesus do? That's the clarity that we want to provide for today. And we said that's nice because when Jesus said, follow me, he was in essence saying, I'm your trailblazer. I'm going to lay out a path and a pattern for you to follow. And in that passage that we looked at, you'll see the pattern. Uh, I was studying uh, at the end of last year. We did a whole series in the Gospel of Mark, followed up by the letters to uh, the church from the Apostle Peter. The, the Gospel of Mark, we think, is mostly Jesus. Uh, is the story of Jesus as told by Peter uh, to John Mark. And so we get a picture of the story. And I remember following through and noticing Okay, there's, there's a pattern that just seems to be repeated over and over again in the life of Jesus. We almost always seem, see him going away off on his own in order to pray, to connect with, to commune with his Heavenly Father, to lean into that relationship with his Heavenly Father. And then we see him meeting needs. We see him healing people. That was one of the primary needs in their day and time. There weren't doctors or hospitals as we think of them. And so people knew that Jesus could heal. The word gets out and people are flocking to him. And he's constantly meeting those needs. And then we see him also teaching that he's constantly telling people the truth about God and leading them into the truth. And so there's this pattern that I saw. He's always praying, he's always healing, he's always teaching. And ever since I noticed that, that has been something that has been reinforced and I've been coming back to and recognizing that that pattern is the pattern that we see in Jesus' life, but it's also the pattern that he left for us as well. So let me go uh, just a little bit more, uh, just refine that a little bit. The first thing that I want you to see is the idea of knowing Jesus. Now, this is where the pray idea. What is, he, what is Jesus doing? He's, he's communing with his Father, his Heavenly Father. And he wants us to commune with him, to be in relationship with him, to know him. And what I mean by that is not just head knowledge, but the idea of experiential knowledge, that when we are with Jesus, we get to know Him. That's just not facts. When you get to know somebody, you're just not learning facts about them. You're getting to know them as a person. And uh, people have pointed out before that there's a pattern to what it means to be a disciple because discipleship and following a rabbi wasn't something that was unique to Jesus. It was something that was common at the time. And the first step was to be with your rabbi, to be with Jesus. So again, we see this pattern in Jesus' prayer life, in his devotional life. In Mark 135, it says, Before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. Before this passage, at the very beginning of chapter 1 of Gospel Mark, we see Jesus being led into the wilderness for 40 days of prayer 
and fasting. That's how his ministry began. He was baptized and he goes immediately into the wilderness. And so there's this pattern where he just leans into his relationship with his Heavenly Father. He's constantly communing with the Heavenly Father. And that's the starting point from which everything else in his ministry flows. And uh, this points out that this is a relational uh, type of, of endeavor. Uh, when Jesus invited his disciples to become his disciples, he said, follow me. Uh, it, the invitation was to be with him, to live life together. It was a relational invitation. We saw this when we were looking at uh, this passage from last week in John chapter 6, where the people, the crowds around Jesus are saying, what do we need to do? You just tell us. You give us the list of the things that we do and don't do. And uh, the way they put it is, what must we do to do the works that God requires? And they want a list of rules, and Jesus redirects them to the idea of relationship. Jesus answered, the work of God of this is to believe in the one he has sent. And remember, belief is not just to assent to certain facts about Jesus. It's the same word that's used for trust and for uh, placing your allegiance with someone. It is the idea of, of a relationship. And so Jesus redirects and says it's, it's about developing that relationship. And he says, but to all who believed him, this is the introduction to the Gospel of John, and accepted him, talking about Jesus, he gave the right to become the children of God. The starting point of following Jesus is entering into a new relationship with your Heavenly Father because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. It's Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection that opens up the path for us to experience life both here and forevermore and experience that life to the full. And that's why I always encourage every week you to come to that point and cross the line of faith to commit your life to Jesus, to say yes to Jesus, to say yes to Jesus as Savior so that you can say to him, what you did on the cross, Jesus, I want that to count for me. I want my sins forgiven. I want my guilt washed away. And also to say yes to him as Lord or Master. It's saying, you're, you're the boss, Jesus. You get to call the shots. I'm going to follow your lead. And so when we do that, what we're doing is crossing from death into life, from sin into forgiveness, and uh, from being in rebellion against God in order to be a part of the kingdom of God and to be welcomed into his family. So if there's never been a time where you've purposefully decided to follow Jesus, to cross that line of faith, I hope that you will do that. And I hope that you will let us know. Text YES to 603-225-2550. We'll celebrate with you because this is the best decision you'll ever make. And we'll also resource you as you continue in your walk with Jesus. So that's what we're doing. We are walking with Jesus. We are following the path that he has set out for us because Jesus is our trail blazer. And that starts relationally 
meeting with Jesus uh, to know him. And then secondly, it's to grow, to become like Jesus. And this is from the idea of teaching. Jesus was constantly going around and he was constantly telling us about God, what God is like, what it means to follow him, and uh, telling us the truth. We see this part of Jesus' ministry in verse 21 of chapter 1 of Mark. When the Sabbath day came, he went into the synagogue and began to teach. And so, so much of the Gospels, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are full of the teaching of Jesus. It was a constant theme. He was constantly teaching. He was constantly shaping people's character by teaching them. And it's not just the gaining of knowledge, just like the the the, um, the first part of getting to know Jesus wasn't just knowing facts about Jesus. The teaching side is more about developing character. It's very similar to what we saw last week looking at this verse from Ezra, where it says Ezra had committed himself to studying the revelation of God, to living it, and to teaching Israel to live its truths and ways. You see the pattern here? It's learning, studying, it's living it out, and then sharing it, then teaching it with others. So uh, so it's, it's the same for us. We, we learn, but we also live it out, and then we go on to share it with others. Uh, the teaching of Jesus was summed up in verse 15, where we started, where it says, The time promised by God has come at last. Time's up. Now it's happening. The things that were promised are about to come true. The kingdom of God is near. And notice what uh, the response to Jesus' teaching was. In Mark one twenty two, it says, They, the people that were listening to his teaching, were surprised at his teaching. So forthright, so confident. This is the message translation. Not quibbling and quoting like the religious scholars. See, the, the pattern that they were used to was a lot of back and forth and a lot of quibbling and uh, a lot of quoting. Well, Rabbi so-and-so said this, and Rabbi so-and-so said this, whereas Jesus was just preaching and teaching very clearly and with authority as one having authority rather than having to quote authorities, and that was something that was new and different. So he was sharing the truth, but it, uh, for us, that means we learn it, we're studying it, we're also living it out, we're putting it into practice, and then we are sharing it with others as well. Because, as Jesus said, the truth will set you free, and he claimed for himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. So, we see this pattern where Jesus gets off on his own, by himself, and he leans into his relationship with his heavenly father. He prays, and that highlights the relational side of things, that we want to know God through Jesus Christ, that we want to be with Jesus. And then we uh, are going to, uh, we're going to learn, we're going to uh, lean into teaching and getting to know Jesus in that way, because Jesus is our trailblazer, we know grow, and then lastly, we're going to go. We're going to do what Jesus does. He lays down the pattern for us, and then we follow that pattern. This was the idea of healing, and healing was just uh, kind of a a shorthand, I think, for 
Jesus' ministry. We talked last week about how the world is not as it should be, and we and it's not as good as it could be. And so Jesus came. Whatever you believe about Jesus, it makes it's very clear from reading the Gospels that he came to set things right. And healing is kind of a shorthand for that setting things right. Yes, it includes physical ailments, but it also includes the spiritual side of things and and dealing with what is broken in our world. So we see that in Mark chapter 1, verse 34, where Jesus, where it says, so Jesus healed many people who were sick with various diseases, and he cast out many demons. They're dealing with, uh, remember we said that the problems in our world, uh, the world, the flesh, and the devil. There's uh, a world systems that are broken. There's something uh, that is not right within us. There's something uh, that has gone sideways within people as well. And also that there are uh, invisible forces against arrayed against us. And Jesus is dealing with all of these things in this idea of healing. And then he makes it very explicit that this is the pattern that he is sharing with others. It says in a couple of other chapters later, and he appointed 12, talking about his appointing of the 12 disciples who were the 12 apostles. And what did he what did he give them to do? What was the pattern he told them to follow so that they would be with him? There we see the no aspect that he could send them out to preach. That's the teaching. That's the the, the growing aspect and have authority to cast out demons and that is the healing aspect and the way that you can notice what's going on is sometimes it'll talk about healing sometimes it'll talk about casting out demons sometimes it might talk about uh, some other way that he is uh, that he is uh, affecting a healing type of ministry and this is just uh, these are just shorthands for the whole thing of his ministry of making things right in the world. And the, the really cool thing is, now notice I did not say do what Jesus did. Not do what Jesus did, it's do what Jesus does. That actually, Jesus is continuing to bring healing and wholeness to our world. And he does that through his church, through his followers, through the people that have declared their allegiance to him and belong to him, citizens in his kingdom, sons and daughters in his family. Look at what it says here. This is in John chapter 5, where Jesus is explaining his own ministry. He says, this is how it works. I tell you the truth, the son can do nothing by himself. In other words, I'm not, doing, I'm not doing this on my own. I'm not doing this of my own. He, the Son, Jesus, does only what he sees the Father doing. So he's saying, when you see me doing stuff, when you see me at work, when you see me doing healing, when you see me setting things right, I'm only responding to what the Father is doing. I'm working in concert with him. Whatever the Father does... The Son also does. See, Jesus was saying, I'm following a pattern. I'm just seeing where God is at work, and I'm joining Him in it. And then that's the pattern that He set down for us as well. 
Look at how he describes it in John 15, 5. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He's describing, this is, this is the way this works. This is how ministry happens. If you remain in me, that word there is to abide, is to, to uh, take up residence. Uh, if you remain in me, and I in you, there's the relational aspect, there's the knowing aspect, the prayer, the abiding in aspect, you will bear much fruit. You're, you're, you're going to go and do stuff, and it's going to make an impact. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Just like if you were to cut off that branch, it was no longer connected to the vine, it would not bear fruit. Jesus says the same way, I'm, I'm going to connect, I'm going to offer connection with you, relational connection with you. You remain in me and I in you, you'll bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. That's how ministry works. So, Jesus is still at work in our world today. How so? But through his body. Notice that. Through his body, the church. We are his hands and his feet. We are indwelt by God's Holy Spirit to empower us, to lead us, to guide us. Remember, you cannot live the Christian life successfully. You will be doomed to failure if you try. But if you open yourself up to Jesus and allow his Holy Spirit to live and reside in you, if you become a new person, a new creation in Christ, then Jesus will live his life through you. As you abide in him and he in you, you will bear much fruit. Jesus said, I'm going to continue to be at work. I'm going to work through the people who belong to me. So that's how it works. You can have purpose. You can have fulfillment. You can experience the life that Jesus is living and wants you to experience as you say yes to Jesus, not just to get started on this journey, but in a day-to-day experience of the life of Jesus. Jesus is our trailblazer. He's the one that laid down the path for us to follow and gives us the power to live that life. And so the challenge is to join with others who are following Jesus. Now, just like when Jesus starts out, he, he leans into that relationship with the Father, but he also invites others into that relationship. He gathers a, a group around him. In the same way, when we say yes to Jesus, we're not only entering into a new relationship with God through Jesus. We are placed in a family with other brothers and sisters. And so that's the way God designed it, was that following Jesus, being a follower of Jesus, was not just a solo sport. It's a team sport. It's something that we do together. And so when you join with others who are following Jesus, you're joining with others who are living this life and committed to living this life. And what, as a result, you, you get encouraged and you get uh, that, that power that comes from following this path together. You'll be encouraged and equipped as you follow with Jesus. And then as you 
do that as you uh, he gives you a track to run on and you're running that race together then you're going to experience the fulfillment that comes from doing so the life and life abundant the fulfilled life that Jesus promised his followers and you're going to have purpose you're going to know direction you're going to have direction you're going to know what I should be doing next and, and what it means to follow Jesus and what it looks like and you're going to have that encouragement. You're not going to be confused. You're going to have clarity. You're not going to be wandering around. You're going to have purpose. You're not going to be wondering. You'll have insight into what it means to follow Jesus. So I hope that you will join with us in following Jesus. Or if, if, uh, if it's not possible for you to participate in that way in our because of distance or something like that, then make sure that you connect with others, people that you can connect with relationally so that you can grow spiritually wherever you are. Join with others in following Jesus. So that's the coaching. It's to, it's to say, okay, I, I, I know that I need clarity. Jesus provided clarity, so now I need to find others who are going to run on this track so that we can run together the race that Jesus has set out before us. We have that clarity now, and as you run that, you're going to experience what Jesus promised, life and life to the fullness. And now, maybe maybe you're still kind of checking this out and still trying to figure it out. Well, let me just encourage you with this, that Jesus' first followers, they didn't know everything that they needed to know about Jesus. They, they, they didn't start out with a full understanding of who Jesus was, but they still followed Jesus. So if you're experiencing some insecurity or uncertainty, don't let that keep you from taking those next steps and join with others who are following Jesus and and they can give you the encouragement, they can give you they can help you to find clarity, and you're going to experience the life that Jesus has for you. Now I will invite you, if it's possible for you to truly be relationally connected to our congregation, we would love for that to be the case. And if that's you, and you are saying, yes, I want to follow Jesus, and I want to connect with others who are following Jesus at Cornerstone, you can let us know by texting me. That's count me in to 603-225-2550. And then, as we lock arms together, we're going to follow the pattern that Jesus has laid out for us. We are going to let Jesus be our trailblazer, and we're going to follow that pattern of knowing and growing and going. And as we do, we're going to experience the life that Jesus promised us, and we will see our world transformed, our individual lives and the people around us and the lives that we're able to touch as Jesus continues to do His work in the world today through the people that are abiding in Him. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you that you did give us clarity, that you laid out a path for us to follow and gave us the power to do so. 
I pray, Lord, that for each one of us, you would show us exactly what that means for us and what our next steps are, and that you would help us to lock arms, to join together in following you wholeheartedly, and that as we do, we will see lives transformed and the world changed as a result. We pray this in Jesus' name.